Now, I want you to think about this verse inside of Silicon Valley's culture. Okay, as I read this, think about this. Think about inside of where you work, your family, and all this stuff. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Wow, that preaches all by itself, doesn't it? Why don't you say it with me? Say, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Shout it. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ himself had. Lord, would you speak to us? Those who are here, those who are listening by a podcast, a video, be transformative and illuminating in our minds and in our hearts. For all of us, including the, the teacher today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So let me begin by making this, this kind of basic point. Uh, most of us, or many of us, should I say, are unaware of one of life's greatest secrets, which is found in the fact that there is power, shout power, there's power contained, hidden, I would say, in humility. Say this with me. Say, there's power in humility. In humility. And one of the things that uh, I, I am, I, I'm a great, uh, have a great appreciation for Patrick Lencioni. Those of you who are part of the corporate world, you probably, you know that name, you've heard of it. He's known for writing a number of books, uh, The Five Dysfunctions of a, of a Business, uh, The Advantage, The Idea of Play, and a whole lot of others. Those of you who followed him, you know, he advocates corporate culture principles like vulnerable trust and healthy conflict and active commitment and pure accountability and a radical focus on the results. Everybody shout results. Results. All that's great. And, uh, but what I, and we use the ideal team player, the three virtues, humble, hungry, and smart, uh, really as shaping our own leadership culture here uh, at MVCC. But as we get ready to look at humble today, what strikes me is that he has discovered inside of this notion of humility and demonstrated that the word of God is timeless and has timeless truths. The Bible itself talks about humility 73 times across the span of the biblical text. And if you add the derivatives of the word humility, it's about 100 times. And it argues again and again that humility is at the very heart of what God uses to change the lives of people and to use people to change communities and nations. Everybody shout, be humble. Be humble. So, the first point that Patrick makes, and I'm just going to do this, and I want to jump into the biblical text here, is that humility is the key 
to being a great or ideal team player. Here's what he says about being a team player. Here's what he says, if someone were to ask me to make a list of the most valuable qualities a person should develop in order to thrive, watch this, in the world of work, see the hyphen, and for that matter, life, everybody shout life, I would put being a team player at the very top. And what he's saying is that what he's discovered is that this notion of being a team player is not just something that should only exist in the corporate world. Think about this. How would seeing yourself as a team player change your approach to life if you started thinking about life in terms of team? How would it change your marriage, for example, if you started thinking about your marriage in terms of a team pursuing a common vision? How would it change your approach to parenting? If you are married and you have kids, uh, uh, you, you, may, uh, you may know something about this, that kids, uh, how did I say it this morning, they, they have a tendency to be sinfully smart. <laughs> From a young age, kids figure out what can they get from daddy and what can they get from mama? Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And, 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 in, and even in their adulthood, come on now, uh, 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 they know who they can go to get money from and who not to talk to, right? <laughs> but if you thought about parenting as a team, You'd have the approach that Rhonda and I have with our two kids. Essentially, when, we, when somebody asks us something uh, and we kind of figure out, they kind of play us, you know, the first thing I say to either my son or my daughter, did you ask your mama? What did your mama say? And the first thing she says is, did you ask your daddy? What did your daddy say? And even if we disagree about what the other says, we still enforce. We say, if your mama said that, you need to go ahead and do it. And then me and mama, we work it out behind the scene. Team. Everybody shout, team. You see, parenting is a team. And you don't have to be married. A lot of us I know are raising kids single in terms of we're single parents. But we have grandparents who are involved and uncles and aunts who are involved, right? What if the approach was a team? What if we thought about parenting as a team, being on the same page? What if, uh, uh, what if you thought about pursuing education as a team? My wife brags all the time about what got her through medical school was her study group. She had a posse in, 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 in that drove her through, that, that they studied together hours and hours and hours. She had a team. Well, what if those of you who are part of NBCC and you have a life group, that's our word for small groups, uh, so we try to get you out of these, out of, you know, a big uh, sanctuary like this, you don't get to know everybody, get you into a small group. What if those of you who are in small groups thought of your life group as a team, as a life team? It's a, it's a team that does life with you. That it's, it's, your, it's your team when you're going through unemployment. It's your team when you're celebrating a promotion on your job. It's your team when you're working through health challenges. It's your team when you're working through issues and challenges with your children or your marriage or or, or some other important relationship. What if you thought about it as your team? Do you know that even the notion of thinking that I need a team actually is an expression of humility? It's, it, it, it suggests I'm better with others. 
why don't you just say this with me? Just practice it. Come on, just say, just say I'm better with others. You become your best self. This is the way God designed us, collaborating and working with others. That's, I know we have introverts here, and I know that we can do really great work by ourselves. I'm not ignoring that. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, we all need others to achieve our best work. Shout team. Team. The second thing that comes to mind here as we're backing into this text is that I'm surprised pleasantly of how Patrick reinforces with all of his education an insight that my grand aunt had with very limited education. The second point he makes is that, uh, uh, that I want to make is that humility is, uh, is, uh, is central in this notion of being a good team player. And here's his quote. Put his quote up there. Humility is the single greatest and most indispensable attribute of being a team player. Humility. Now, here's the fascinating thing. My grand aunt had to drop out of school in her early teenage years because she was the oldest of 16 kids. Can y'all say 16? 16, y'all. Uh, and so they lived on a sharecropping farm and uh, down in the south, and so she had to be responsible for helping to get the meal started early and helping to raise the kids and so forth and so on. But in the 60s, 1960s, as an African-American woman, she defied the odds, went back to school, and earned her GED. Yeah, celebrate that. That's awesome. So she had several things that she drilled in me. One was the value and the importance of education. Certainly the biggest one was the value and importance of knowing Jesus. But the third one was, was the value and importance of being humble. She realized at an, at, with, 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 from her posture in life that there was power in humility. And she just drilled that, drilled that. I had a really hard head growing up. So she had to drill. Everybody say drill. <laughs> she did have to drill. But she drilled it, she drilled it, she drilled it, she drilled it. And as I reflect on it as an adult, particularly as I was putting this series together, it struck me as I, I was trying to summarize kind of in one sentence what was the basic point that she was trying to make uh, 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 about me being humble. And, 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 and I think the point she was trying to teach me was she was trying to teach me to learn to care for others and not just for myself. All right, that's worth your saying out loud. Come on, everybody say it. Learn to care for others, not just, for, not, not just myself. Not just myself. You should write that down. And if I had to summarize a second insight that comes out of that, this notion of humility is, is this notion of Learn to think of others before thinking of myself. Say that with me. Say, learn to think of others before thinking of myself. 
So it was a big deal. If we had some seniors in the church or whatever, she, she wanted me to make sure that I helped them get to their seat. Uh, uh, we would take them home and I'd get out and I had to help them to get, I, I, I had to take extra steps, for example. I, it, was, it was go the extra, extra mile. Think of others, not just your. Uh, we could teach some of our young people that today, can we not? I mean, I mean, I see elderly, I see young people knocking elderly people down trying to get Think about this. All right, the next major insight, now we're, well, let's just push through the text together, is this. Humility is at the center of biblical greatness and faithfulness. In other words, whenever the Bible talks about greatness, whenever the Bible talks about faithfulness at their best, God talks about it in a way that's kind of uniquely different in some ways than what you would get from Silicon Valley. Uh, the approach that he, 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 he argues for. And he's at the, at, the, at the heart of every faithful, great hero in the Bible, hidden therein, watch it. That's why I call it hidden power, is humility. Now, I'm going to prove it. Now, I'm going to use a number of examples that are male. I'm not going to use, it's not because I can't find any women biblical examples of humility. The Bible's full. I could talk about Leah and the humility of her being in a relationship with a guy who doesn't love her and yet she's faithful. I could talk about, uh, I could talk about uh, Queen Esther who even as queen, she had enough humility to take the advice of her religious uncle Mordecai. I could talk about Ruth, the Mordecai, the, the, the uh, Moabite, who uh, had enough humility to say to her Jewish mother-in-law, I want to be like you. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you sleep. I could talk about Mary, who after them, as the mother of Jesus, who after the angel said to her, God is about to turn your life upside down. She says, let the words that you've spoken come true. Shout, humility. Humility. But I'm going to use these men today because I think in our culture, the average woman, beginning as a little girl, that you're more than likely taught about humility. You're taught to be humble. You're taught to concede. You're taught to submit, uh, give up ground that's rightfully yours. You kind of taught that. That's the average girl growing up in this culture. You're, you're taught something about being humble. There are men who are taught about being humble. I gave you my own personal example. And yet I would argue that a lot of us men, however, the culture around us makes it difficult for us to be humble. Just give you an example, guys. This is what we're, what we're taught as we're growing up. We're taught growing up, you know, when you're wrestling, you're taught never to concede. We're taught growing up never to expose your weakness. Because if you're in sports and you expose your weakness, you, your opponent is going to take advantage of you. We're taught growing up by the men in our lives, whoever they are, never let them see you cry. Right? We're, that's just, uh, we're, 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 we're taught uh, as we grow up as, 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 as men uh, uh, to, to hold, your, hold your position. Be strong. 
Everybody shout, be strong. strong. These subtle messages have a way of working against us. They get in the way in our marriages of us being humble. They get in the way of us trying to raise kids and be humble. They get in the way of us being successful at work and being humble. So I'm going to use some men example. We're going to walk through it real quickly. Everybody shout Moses. You know, he's one of the great iconic figures of the Old Testament. God uses him to to lead 600,000 plus people out of slavery. He's an iconic figure, the lawgiver, if you will, the, the shaper of the beginning of the nation of Israel. People, lives, and the nation is changed through his leadership. And here's what Numbers says about Moses. Number uh, uh, 12 and 3. Listen to what it says. It says, now Moses was very what? More humble than any other person on earth. Now this reminds me of a little joke that I heard not too long ago said a church loved their pastor and they, they gave him a, a, a button and the button said our pastor most humble person we know and the pastor was excited he got the button next week he wore the button He come wearing the button. The pastor, the most humble person. And so the church took the button back. <laughs> Make sure your humility is genuine. In this particular case, Moses is not testifying about himself. The, the, the writer and the witnesses of Moses are saying that he is um, the most humble person on the planet. Look, the suggestion is that if God is going to use you in great ways, the humbler you are, the greater God can use you. That is the suggestion. Let me give you two ways that he was humble. Uh, you may recall that uh, his father-in-law, Jethro, who... Uh, came up and he saw Moses judging the people, adjudicating their cases. His father-in-law came up to him after God, after he was, he was saying he was wearing Moses out. He was doing hundreds of them a day. His father-in-law said, pulled him off to the side and said, hey, Mo. Okay, so, <laughs> said, look, you're going to wear yourself out. So why don't, you, why don't you, you break this thing up? Why don't you appoint some people to do over tens and point some over... 20s and 50s and hundreds, several hundred. Let the most difficult cases come to you and everybody else do it. And Moses said, thank you. This is the same Moses who, when he was trying to figure out how to lead God's people, he said, God, I don't know how to lead these people. Will you, will you show me how to lead these people? What does Moses' humility teach us, guys, and all of us? That, that, that one of the marks of humility is my ability to ask for help. Ask the person next to you, do you know how to ask for help? A- ask them, ask them, do you regularly ask for help? Come on, this is the proof right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of the marks of humility is the ability to, to, to be able to say, I need some help. 
When you're on your job, you can say, I need some help. Just think how that revolutionizes your marriage or, or the person that you're in love with. I actually need some help. Can you help me? That suggests to people around you, get this, watch this. It suggests that you actually need them. How many of you are afraid of needing other people? Yeah. Yeah. We're afraid of needing other people. It's our insecurity. So we find it difficult. But Moses had no problem asking for and receiving help. Now the iconic figure in this respect is uh, David. Everybody shout David. You know, he's the pinnacle king of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And in Acts 13, uh, the writer reminds us that, that God declares that David was a man after his own heart. He, he, and that, that God could trust David to do anything that basically he asked David to do. And yet, yet David would, while he was wonderfully faithful. How many of you know that it's possible to be faithful and have flaws at the same time? Right, 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 right. Being faithful does not mean that you are perfect. So, so on a bad day, so bad day, he ended up having an affair with a woman named Bathsheba. She got pregnant, so bad day. <laughs> he tried to cover it up by having her husband killed, so bad day. And then he was confronted with his stuff. And then here comes the mark of humility in Psalms 51. Watch this, verse 3, 4. Uh, and three and four. I love that. Just pull this out. Listen to what he says. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you, O God, and you alone have I sinned. Watch this. I have done what is evil in your sight. And this last piece is important. You will be proved right. Shout right. Come on, shout. You are right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. Now, you know, some of us have problems saying to God, God, you were right and I was wrong. Get this. If you have problems saying that to God, there's a good chance you have problems saying that to people. Oh, I just wonder if you think about your relationship with some of your adult siblings or your relationship with, your, with some of your, your kids or your grandkids or your, or, your, or your parents. I'm just wondering as you, as you think about some of the stuff that's going on at work, I just wonder if things would radically change if you could exercise a mark of humility and actually in the midst of a confrontation actually admit, come on now, expose the weakness you're right, I'm wrong. You want to grow as a human being? Develop the capacity to trust God enough to be able to say, you're right, I'm wrong. You know that? I did the other day. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. All of this is Humility. Come on, say it out loud with me. I know you have to practice it. Let's practice it together. If I say, you're right, I'm wrong. No, you're right, I'm wrong, but. The but, once you say but, it just erases everything you just said. It's no, it's not, you're right, I'm wrong, period. 
What I did was stupid. What I did was crazy. What I did was not thinking. What I did was insensitive. You are right, I'm wrong. Takes humility. Some of you have been married 20 years. If you just go home and practice this for the uh, next week, you'd be surprised at how your marriage would change. Who am I married to? (laughs) Oh my gosh! It's a whole new world! And all you did was just own your stuff rather than... Moses, heart of David, humility. And then let's go to the New Testament. One of the great iconic figures of the New Testament is John the Baptist. My favorite descriptions of John the Baptist, John is talking here in uh, chapter 3, verse 30. He sees Jesus coming. The King James Version says this. When he sees Jesus, he says to the crowd around him after he baptizes him, uh, I must decrease, he must increase. I love the way the New Living Translation puts this. Check this out. Talking about humility. Talking about humbling. Listen to what it says. He's talking about Jesus. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less Unless you want to revolutionize your walk with Jesus, he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. Pastor Arnie says, if you want to record, if you want to revolutionize your, 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 your impact at work, you, you talk about your colleagues and the mission of the company has to become greater and greater. And my own personal stuff becomes less and less. I remember I got a word of prophecy one time a number of years ago. I've never forgotten it. It helped to guide me. And, 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 and the word of prophecy said this. A woman came up to me and she said, God told me to tell you this. She said, God said for you to dream bigger than you've ever dreamt before. And become and be smaller than you've ever been before. Did you get that? You, it's worth you writing this down. Dream bigger than you've ever dreamt before, but become smaller than you've ever been before. You, you see the relationship? Do you see the relationship? That the bigger, the bigger, the bigger, the bigger the dream is, the more, the more, the more I need to rely on God. And the less and the less and the less and the less and the less, I ought to be relying on myself. The less I rely on myself, the more, the more, the more, the more I rely on God. God has the ability to spark creativity and open doors that no one can close and, 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 and do what no one can imagine. And, 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 and so rely more on him, less on me. You see, you see, shout humility. humility. You want to pursue a great dream? Learn to be humble. And then... Uh, Iconic figures as the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. He, he gives us the majority of the theology we have in the Christian church, the Apostle Paul gives us to us. And yet he tells us that the heart of his conversion was a radical shift in his life from being puffed up and prideful to being humble. It, it, it starts in verse 7, what I'm going to read, but really uh, it, it, the, the lead in is he's talking about all things he used to brag about. He said, man, I used to be the Hebrew of Hebrews. I was authentic Hebrew. I wasn't artificial. So I was of the tribe of Benjamin. 
I was high class. Shout high class. Yeah, I was a Pharisee, man. I was part of that small religious group. And when it comes to being, shout high class. And when it comes to being righteous, man, I had an A plus in self-righteousness. When I want to think about somebody that was close to perfect, Paul said, I would just simply look in the mirror and go, wow, you really look good. (laughs) But then he had an encounter with Jesus. And he had an encounter with the power of God, with the love of God. And his eyes came open to realize that everything that he had ultimately flowed from God. And then this is how he describes himself. Watch, listen for humility. Uh, 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 be humble. Shout, be humble. I once thought these things, all that credential stuff was valuable. Now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake. I've discarded, I've thrown away everything else, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. The most important thing is for me to humble myself, to gain Christ and become one with him. Shall be humble. It is the key to your growing in your relationship with Jesus, allowing him to be Lord in your life. For many of us, God would do more if we just stopped fighting with him. He would. He keeps whispering in our ear and we keep arguing with him. He keeps saying, you know what, you ought to go left or you ought to write that book or you ought to, you ought to go ahead and check into school or, you know, you ought, to, you know, you ought to apply for that company over there. Or you ought to apply for that promotion there. And we just keep telling God, you know, God, you don't know what you're talking about. This can't be God. Hum is about God. I think this is you. I'm going to execute. Everybody shout execute. Did you know that's the Silicon Valley word for obey? <laughs> Go tell your boss that. And the kids, and tell the kids, you know what? Say obey. Just say execute. <laughs> I said it. You execute it. <laughs> Woo! Shall be humble. Then what about Jesus Himself? He's a fantastic model here, isn't he? Jesus says one of His iconic texts in Matthew chapter eleven, verse. Uh, 29, I believe it is, you know, it, it starts off by him saying, you know, some of you are familiar with this, uh, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden and, and, uh, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And, and the question comes up, well, why should I trust you like that? Right? Right? Ask the person next to you, why should I trust Jesus like that? Yeah, why should I trust him like that? Why should I? And so he answers it. He says, take my yoke upon you. It's my, 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 my authority. The yoke represents his authority, right? And let me teach you because I am what? Humble and, and gentle. That means uh, 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 strength under control. We learned that a couple of months ago. Gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul. Jesus, what do you mean? Here's what he means. He says, I want you to take my yoke, my authority upon you. But I want you can trust me. You know why? Because, yes, I have all power. Heaven and earth is in my hands. But I don't use that power for me. I'm going to use the power for you. That's what he means by I'm humble and gentle and hard. And and, and then just to back it up, when he teaches his disciples just before he gets ready to leave about greatness in, in Matthew chapter 20, 
Uh, uh, verse 26, here's what he says. He's, he talks about, now by the way, just check CNN and Fox News. You'll find this to be true even today. He says, he says prior to this, he says, look, you're going to find the political rulers of our context. They're going to be using their power to elevate themselves and to make you subservient. To serve their philosophies, to serve their political interests, to serve, to serve their right or their left perspective. And, and so, you know, you just ought to be careful because folk with power can be dangerous about making you their servants. But Jesus says, but if you're a Jesus follower, I want you to handle your power as a father, your power as a mother, your power as an educator, your power as a customer service rep on the phone. Do you know that if you're a customer service rep on the phone, you can make somebody's day or mess up somebody's day? Just your attitude? Come on now. Oh, I'm sorry. I just got into somebody's business. Come on. But yes, that's the point. Right, right, right. He said, check how you use your authority. Here's what he teaches. You follow me. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, shall great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to Serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Watch this verse. Go back to the first the verse I just mentioned. Watch this. I wish I'm gonna show you something. Here's an insight. Jump that. Watch this. If you add an article, whoever wants to become, put an A right there. Everybody say A great. Add a blank right here. Now say whoever wants to become, say it with me, say a great blank. Y'all ain't listening. Y'all get too excited. Whoever wants to become a great blank among you, you get to fill in the blank. All right, here it is. Whoever wants to become a great parent among you, be a servant. Whoever wants to become a great politician among you, be a servant. Whoever wants to become a great athlete among you, be a servant. Whoever wants to become a great spouse among you, be a servant. So be humble. See, see, see the point? See the point? See the point? It's powerful being home. It's powerful. It changes dynamics. It's powerful. All right. Now let me wrap it up here. I've talked about these two insights, three insights, two insights around humility. Let me talk about three groups of folk who are not humble. And if I have time, I'll talk about two paths to success. The first group that's not humble is the obvious group. These are the blatantly arrogant people. I asked the person next to you, do you think I'm arrogant? All right, here's how you know if somebody's arrogant. These folk, they're always talking about themselves. They're always talking about their accomplishments. They're always pointing everything to their success. Uh, it's always about them. It's always about them. It's always about them. I'm not just talking about celebrating when something good happens. We all do that. I mean, shout always. It's always about me. It's always about I. It's always about my. It's always about look at me. Now, if you're sitting by somebody like that, 
just keep looking at me. <laughs> Let me give an example. In Daniel chapter 4, there's a fellow by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. If you study world history, you'll find his name there. He's a great, he's a, a hugely successful king of the Babylons. You can, how many of you know you can become successful by being brutally arrogant? It's possible. I know some very successful people who are ridiculously arrogant. So this particular person is a big king, he's in charge of Babylon, and he's brutal, he's oppressive, and he has a dream one day. And in the dream he sees this big old tree, it's healthy, great limbs, beautiful leaves, the birds are resting in the leaves, animals are enjoying the shade, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the tree is cut down. Chain is put on the stump. He calls his boys in who's supposed to have some wisdom. He says, hey guys, explain this dream to me. They don't have a clue. So he calls Daniel in. The spirit of God dwells in Daniel, the text says. And when Daniel saw the, heard the dream and prayed about it, he came back to, to him and said, King, I wish I didn't have to tell you, but I think I got some bad news. By the way, I used to go, I used to be in churches from time to time where I saw the Spirit of God move and the word of prophecy would come forth. And all of the words of prophecy would all be good news. And I just remember wondering sometimes, is it possible that God might have some bad news for somebody? Well, for Nebuchadnezzar, he had bad news. So, so here's what Daniel, Daniel said. Daniel said, look, king. You've been going around here talking about who you are, how powerful you are, what you done done, what you done built. Talking about how mighty you are. And you got God's attention. As a matter of fact, your ego has become so big that it competes and attempts to displace God in the world. You've totally missed the fact that you are where you are because of the grace and the goodness of God. That even God is using you in, in, in some, uh, even your, 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 the, the, the tough parts of you. He's using you to do some discipline and to straighten out the world it's all God man it's not you and so here's what God says he said God's gonna take your mind overnight you're gonna be start eating with the cattle and 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 you're just gonna be out there for seven years until you figure out that you're not God he's God oh by the way here's a little secret if you think you're God you might just need a doctor. <laughs> because the way a lot of us live our lives, it is as though God doesn't exist. And we're God. Here's what happened. Verse 29. Watch this. Verse 29. If you have it, put it up there. Twelve months later. A whole year. Man, he had a year to get his act together. A whole year of prophecy. He's just like, I don't know. I don't care. Please. Uh, he said, take a walk on the flat in the Bible and watch this. And then here it comes. Next verse. Put it up there. As he looked out across the city, he said, his arrogance, blatant. Look at this great city of Babylon. By what? My own mighty power. Watch this. What is that? I have built this beautiful city as what? My royal residence to what? Display what? My majestic splendor, which can better be translated my glory. 
And the verse, next verse says it while he was still speaking. <laughs> come on, that word, boy, let's come right out. It says, while he was still speaking, a voice called down from heaven, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of the kingdom. You're fired. Seven years eating with the cattle. Finally, he looks up one day and says, God, you're God. And in that very moment, he comes back to himself and he's restored. God is saying to somebody, I'm holding you down because you won't acknowledge me. I'm holding you back because I got some great stuff for you, but I can't entrust it to you until you trust me. Just you need to acknowledge who I am today. Wow. Okay, secondly, as we hurry up, I'm moving through this and get to this text where we started. I'm finished. Uh, so you got the blatantly arrogant. Shout, blatantly arrogant. Then you got the person who has no self-confidence. That person lacks humility too. Here, here's how they present. No self-confidence, but they are generous and positive in how they treat other people. So here's an example. Here's the person who uh, has a great idea on the corporate team, on your, on your team at work. And everybody's putting out their ideas, and she or he, they pull back to allow you have a chance to put out your ideas. And then they, and ultimately they say, well, no, no, you guys just go ahead and they keep it to themselves. That's not, that's not, that's not humility. They, they, they're generous. They're generous. They, 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 they give to you and they bless you. But they don't really feel like they deserve to be blessed. They see issues in the house, but they won't speak out because they have no self-confidence that their voice is worthy. Let me put in a plug here. Angel announced this great thing we're about to do to invite musicians to sing with us, right? Uh, um, musicians to play and vocalists to sing. And I know I got some more vocalists out there. Ask the person next to you. You're probably a vocalist. Tell them you're probably a vocalist. <laughs> I know I got more instruments out here. People can play. But you know y'all sitting back there with low self-confidence. Oh, they got all they need. Oh, they're too good up there. Oh, I don't want to be embarrassed. Will you just please get up out of this seat and come and serve? Bring God your gifts. That's an act of humility. Say it with me. Say, let me bring God my gift. And then here's the last one. The person who finds it easy to give, but difficult to receive. They love giving, but don't you dare try to give them anything. Beneath that is pride. And beneath all those examples is insecurity. Shout insecurity. Insecurity. So the opposite of humility is not pride, I would argue, it's insecurity. So, one way towards success is the way of Nebuchadnezzar. Brutal power. That's part of the Silicon Valley way. But my boy, Patrick, says another way is the Jesus way. Let's put the last verse up here, uh, Philippians 2, 5, and we'll finish right here. 2, 5. Here it is. Here's, here, here's what we learn. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress. 
Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourself. Don't look out for your interests, but look for the interests of others. And God, he's saying, you can do that at your job. You can do it in your house and, 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 and prosper. So you must have the same attitude that Christ. This is the Jesus-type attitude. Come on, watch this. Let me just read it real quick. Come on, come on. Roll with it. Roll with it if you got it. Do you have it? They may not have it. <laughs> Six through 11. Uh, but but they go, you're going to read it when you get home. Well, uh, what, what they do is, uh, uh, what it says that Jesus, even though he was equal with God, did not count being equal with God something to be grabbed, hold on to. That he let that go on behalf of you and for me. And he took upon himself the form of a servant. He even became a slave and came down here on earth. And out of obedience, shout obedience. He's thinking about y'all. He's not thinking about himself. Come on. He died a brutal death on the cross. And, and, and on the third day, God raised him again from the dead. And, and, and what Paul says is that while he, 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 did, he, he, he humbled himself, that the Father has now raised him. And so today, uh, his name is above all names. And at the name of Jesus, ultimately, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that's the Jesus way give God a hand praise